Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, it is Garen and Jordan coming back to you talking about Garen's message on the 8th of October about Nehemiah 5. And Garen, we have a little... I have a, a, we have a little house cleaning to do Uh-oh. before we get to the message. Okay. First of all, I got this crick in my neck, Garen. I can't figure out what it is. It's like I got it's probably all the whiplash, whiplash yesterday. I, I touched Just the like, brake several times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's bad when your teacher starts off with, now guys, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna whiplash you today. And then we got maybe a verse in, all right, oh, hold on. I am this time. And I just thought, oh man, Garen. But yeah. you did in the rest of the time. You did a good job. But yeah, you 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 do a good job of making sure when we're in the text, you're explaining things to us. And, and I appreciate that. It's just comical because- I know. Well, that's, that's why I thought I had to warn people ahead of time because yeah. I haven't been doing it as much in Nehemiah as much. But yeah, the, yesterday, because the verses, whoever set the verses up in that verse were like, it was really whacked. Yeah, they didn't consult you. They didn't do a very good job. They should have like had, I was angry. That's one verse. And I pondered in my heart. That's a verse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There was multiple You've got a places. bone to pick in new creation yeah. with Nehemiah, huh? Not with Nehemiah, with uh, those dudes in the 500 AD who set up the verse structure. That's, oh, they're oh. They're the ones. Yeah, who put, where they put verses. Yeah, like, you're going to be coming for they them. They should have done a lot better job of breaking that. Man, I'm going to be like going on some hikes in new creation and you're going to be... <laughs> Talking to you're that be, guy, you're going to be tucked away in a room, going over <laughs> texts, and now nah, this is how you should have done it. So that was number one. The other thing is, man, I just I worry that you scared some people away yesterday, Garen, talking about blood packs because that was <laughs> you really, you just yeah, like nobody was willing to no go, no know, guys say, were willing to raise their hands say, on that. They say Jesus did some hard teachings to really thin the crowd. Maybe that's what yesterday was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Garen, if you weren't there, Garen started out with. Talking about, I don't remember why. Even. When they took the oath, he had him take an oath. Oh yeah, and I'm like, did any yeah anybody boy, do here do a blood, anybody a blood like, pact? And just you could hear a pin drop in that gym. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, okay, blood pact. I've heard of it, but it's like a thing on your thumb. It's like you get a thumbtack and then you touch thumbs, and that's your blood pact, right? Yeah. You all you do is you, you just, like you poke. I know. To I know. I was. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, were you drawing blood? What was <laughs> no going on there? I don't know what. I, we need to go back and edit. Can we edit the video? Can we get some AI? There's only so much we can do with that. Thing? Yeah, the AI has not caught up to it. Yeah, yet, so. that's what it was. You like, it's a prick of the finger, and right. you put your thumbs if together. If you had been like, oh yeah, prick of the finger, and Sean, I'm like, okay, well you went to the <laughs> wrist. I'm doing like, I was like, what in the world, Garen? So yeah. hopefully people come back. Yeah, hopefully you didn't scare anybody. We'll find off. out. We'll find out. Yeah, that's the thing Satan will use to undermine our bodies. That's right. That, just how that I, one thing. How ironic. Yeah. Um, but the teaching was good after that. So I think people, you know, if they didn't leave immediately and they stuck around, it worked out okay. So Nehemiah 5, you know, last week we talked about the enemy from attacking from the outside. Yes. And so we, the, the, the fourth chapter ends with, you know, these guys are strapped up with swords. 
They never are changing clothes. They're just like always ready for a battle, right? There's kind yep. of this new norm. They're ready for the enemy from the outside. Yeah. Well, then five takes a turn because now we've got to be ready for the enemy attacking us from within. From within. Which is way worse. Way worse in so many ways. As a leader, it's harder to deal with. Yeah, I just know he's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. We just did that and now I've got to deal with this. Yeah. You talk about your friend today who had that two word prayer. God, yes, really? really? And you got to believe uh-huh. me and I had some of those. Like, yes. God, really? Yeah. Like, man, we just got this thing firmed up. Sam Ballot's held at bay and yep. now these people from within my own walls yeah. are creating trouble. Really? Okay. So- Frustrating life for Nehemiah. He yeah. really went through it for a while while he was doing this. But we started in chapter five, verses two through five, um, just kind of sets the scene, right? Israel has fallen on hard times. There's no money. There's drought. Many people's children are enslaved. They're selling their homes to try and put food on the table. So it's a pretty bleak outlook yeah. for Israel. It's pretty bad. And that's what kind of sets in motion the Jewish people turning on each other and like, selling each other and uh, just doing what they can to take care of themselves. Yeah. It, it's Especially this, the nobles and the officials. Time. It was the wealthy people. So it wasn't the common guy. It was okay. the wealthy people. So it's not everybody turning no, on everybody. it's just the nobles it's and the officials. It's the higher-ups. It's the higher-ups who've got money. Right. And who can withstand inflation and all that. Oh, okay. And they're leveraging this to make more money. My 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 read on it was more like just brother against, because well, you said brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor. I thought everybody was at everybody's yeah. throats, but it's really the higher ups who are kind of taking advantage of a bad yeah. situation. Yes. And, uh, and I think to remember, I, you know, there's so much I could have said culturally. There was no middle class back then. 95% of the people they, they guess would were peasants. Okay. 5% were incredibly wealthy. Mm-hmm. It was a huge gap. And it's the, they're, they're, they're mortgaging their homes. The only people who can do that are the wealthy ones. Which is what makes these verses. I mean, when God gives Israel the law, like Leviticus, and it talks about the rules for taking care of the poor yes. and the marginalized and the orphan. I mean, those are big because those affect a lot of people then. A lot of people. It's not like this affects two or three people in your neighborhood. Yeah. Maybe this is how the whole neighborhood yeah. gets taken yes. care of. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I didn't realize that. I'm glad we talked about that to clear that up. Um, something else that's interesting, you talked about people being enslaved in order to pay off debts. And anytime we mention slavery, it always evokes these images and emotions for us here in in the West, in America specifically. And you kind of talked about how this slavery is different than the chattel slavery slavery that we would think of. Yeah. Um, and do you just want to rehash that really quick? Cause we, you, we read this word in the Bible. And it's, it creates a, a big, I think it rises we, a lot of stigma and emotions yeah, in our and mind. we can miss it easily. Totally miss it. And I have friends who are like, I have a friend, I have a friend who um, comes from African descendants and he says his brother rejects Christianity because of the Old Testament talking about slavery. And he and I have had this conversation. That's not what it's, that's really not what it's talking about because we're imagining slave ships coming overseas. Right. It's not that at all. It is people in so much debt that they are selling themselves to a, they're saying, I will work for my debtor. Either I'm going to work for my debtor for however long to pay it off, or I get money from this guy who pays my debtor and I'm going to work for him. Uh, But it's, it's indentured servitude. Right. But because of the way people were, I mean, back then, even now, wealthy people, anybody can be corrupt, but that corruption with that 5%, is they would even keep charging interest in that indentured servitude. And it was really easy that it became lifelong and you never got out of it. Mm. And it became a kind of form of slavery, not still not totally the same, but okay. it's indentured servitude. So 
I find that when you explain that to people, it a little bit clarifies when the Torah is talking about slaves. It's, it's, to me, it's sad they translate it that way because they could translate, I think, in a better way that takes away that stigma. But it brings up a lot of emotion to, I think, Americans especially. One day when the GIV drops, we, <laughs> the won't, GIV. we won't use the word uh, slavery. Okay. And so we see the higher-ups charging interest for people, bringing them into slavery, uh, selling them back to the Yeah, then they would sell to them the to the Gentiles, Gentiles who right? really would enslave them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the, yeah, it was really, it was really a lot of exploitation, a lot of oppression going on. I had another question. So I think it's later in the chapter, it mentions the rate of interest and it's only 1%. That doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, Is 1% that... a month. So I, that's why I said it was 12% annually. Oh, okay. That's a lot annually. And oh, when you're yeah. a peasant living in absolute yeah, poverty, it kills really you. A lot. It, you yeah. can't live. You can't sustain yourself. Yeah. So it was totally unsustainable. Okay. So Nehemiah looks around, he sees the objectification and monopolization happening Uh around him. Like these people are being treated as commodities, not as people. And it's by their own people. And it just throws him into, I mean, he gets angry. And you talked about that righteous anger, right? And how some, sometimes anger on its own is not bad, but like some things are worth getting angry for. If it's based on biblical things and really that deep, that much of exploitation, that's worth getting mad about. Right. Yeah. So we see in uh, verses 6 through 12, Nehemiah's response, and we're not going to go through this whole thing, but one thing that I really liked was in verse 7, it talked about how he pondered these things, right? He paused before speaking, uh-huh. and it's just Nehemiah, man, death, taxes, and Nehemiah's character are three things that have just never changed, you know? Yeah. We just love to see that he hasn't changed who he is from the beginning of the story, that he's this guy who, even in his emotion, is able uh-huh. to step back, yep. think through it. And then like, I need to get the lay of the land of my heart and how am I relating this and what am I going to do and praying? I think, yeah. Yeah. That whole self counsel that that Hebrew means that he sat and is actually giving himself counsel. Yeah. Can we close our eyes and just for a second, imagine a society where we all kind of were better at that (laughs) and like did a little self-reflection before we acted out in things in our homes and our churches and our relationships on our, on our social media, social media. Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh huh. When we decide to buy a bumper sticker, you know, like the things that we get really worked up over if we sat back and thought on it first, yeah. man, that'd be really great. So something to aim for. But here's the thing. He sits back, he ponders it, but then he acts on it and he calls out the evil. Yeah. Right. Like he goes to these people, he calls a large assembly. Well, first he goes to the officials and the nobles and he says, oh, that's right. You're doing this. And they can't, it says they don't say a word. Yes. Because they know. Right. So he goes to the nobles and the officials and he just calls a spade a spade. He doesn't beat around yep. the bush. He's very direct with them. He says, this is what's happening. Yeah, and you're right. They have no response yeah. to him. And then he calls that great assembly and he's like, now we're going to, okay, I just talked to you. Now we're going to talk about it as a group. So, you know, there's some wisdom in that too, even like when you have an issue, not just going straight to everybody, but yeah. really going to the people it affects first. Yeah. I mean, you just see like example after example of wise leadership from Nehemiah. And good point. I, the more I That's think good. about it, he would just be great. I mean, I think I say it every week, but gosh, a lot of wisdom. I never a book that I thought I would go to for like lessons on leadership, but um, Nehemiah, man, quite a leader. And then we read down a little further. And this is the part that I have a question about, Garen, because on verses 12 through 13, you know, Nehemiah calls together the assembly. He, he says, all right, you're all doing this and it's evil and it's wrong. And it's costing us a lot of time and money. And it's, it's just not right. It's an affront to God. So we're going to stop it like it ends now. 
And they're all like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll stop. And the Bible says, and they stopped. And I'm just like, these guys for so long have profited from this financially. Yeah. yeah. And they build their lives up based on these things. And Nehemiah comes along and, and lodges a complaint with them. And they're like, okay, we'll stop. I was expecting much more pushback. So how are they able to just like repent so quickly and just change their direction so quickly? Yeah, I think it's partly is because one, they knew, they all knew the Torah and they knew what they were doing was wrong. That's why when he spoke to them, them as a group, as just the officials and nobles, they were silent. So Mm -hmm. I think deep inside they knew they were violating the law of God and they knew their history. And in fact, this is so important to God that, you know, the 70 years that they spent in exile in Babylon, mm-hmm. the reason God picked 70 years is because they had neglected the Sabbath year up to 70 times they had neglected it. And the Sabbath year is so significant because in the Sabbath year, you release freight. Is that the year of Jubilee? Uh, you, Jubilee was every 50. Okay. And then, so every seven, you had a Sabbath year and then you'd have a Sabbath year and then Jubilee right after it. Okay. But even in the Sabbath years, you're setting free the indentured servants. You're forgiving okay. all debt. All land goes back to people. And the reason God picked 70 years is because they had violated, they had never obeyed that whole thing related to the exploitation of the poor. He was so ticked about the exploitation of, exploitation of the poor. Mm-hmm. That's how he determined the year of the exile. They knew all of this history and they're doing it again. Uh, Ever since they've come back, they're doing the exact same thing. So I think deep in their heart, they knew they were doing the very thing that took them into exile. Well, their parents probably, right? Because it's 70 years, their parents are probably doing those things. But they, yeah, they it's the yeah, same stuff, but they right? knew, yeah, Isaiah was really clear that that was the reason for the number. Yeah. So um, they knew all of this. And I think they, as soon as he calls them out, I think the conviction of the spirit they knew this. They knew the history. They knew the Torah. They yeah. knew they were violating it. The other thing I think is, is to me, the rest of that chapter where he talks about the kind of leader he is. You know, when you're around somebody that's like doing the exact opposite of you, just that brings conviction, doesn't mm, it? Yes. Like totally. me going to eat lunch with Brandy Lundgren at China, old China buffet. And I, I pile up with a bunch of meat and I come back and she's got a ton of vegetables. <laughs> and like, I have to turn in shame and eat without, I can't look her in the eye while <laughs> yeah, I'm right. eating. Right. <laughs> Brandy Delmont, for those who don't know, Brandy Lunger was Brandy Delmont before. Yeah. When you're around somebody that's doing like what you know is probably the best thing. Right. There's a sense of like, when he's speaking, they're like, mm, man, this guy. They feel it. They feel it because they've seen how he leads. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, this is what we should be like. Huh. So I think his moral, his weight, we're going to talk some about this this week a little bit. His, he carried this moral authority that I think affected them. Is it possible to know how big this group is that he addresses or is it just? Yeah, we don't. Okay. We, just as it's a large assembly. We, right? we have a general, yeah, we, large assembly. We have a, you know, after a few weeks ago, you asked about Jerusalem and I, Pat and I looked into it and probably at this time, the population in Jerusalem was about 800. Okay. To a thousand, pretty small, but you had all these outlying people where a lot of the peasants lived. Yeah. So how big that group was, we're not totally and sure. And he's not, in, he's probably not inviting in everybody, just the ones who are doing wrong, right? Well, it's how, the idea of the large assembly is it, it, most of it was actually the people who were being exploited. Oh. So first he talks to the guys who were doing wrong. So that's an, then that's, he gets everybody together. Yeah, that's an added thing. Yeah. And then he- It's like they can, they're hearing me talk about this yes, right now. To everybody. Yeah, right. Yep. And, okay. and that's why they they cheer and they're like, amen, and they praise God because right, they're yeah. right there. And they're like, we've been longing for a leader yeah, to come yeah, and yeah. take care of this. Wow. Like, 
So can you imagine Nehemiah, what that church service wow. was like for those guys? The people's choice. He was yeah. the most popular guy after yeah. that because he had righted, righted the wrongs. Um, let's see here. So all of those verses we went through, and the main point is this, that the enemy will attack from the outside, but the enemy prefers to attack from the inside. Yeah, because if he can destroy us from the inside. Oh, man. There's even no need for the outside attack, yeah. right? Like he doesn't even need Sanballat bringing, guy, nope. bringing an army because they're going to destroy nope. themselves, right? That's right. So we kind of saw how that worked in the context of Nehemiah um, in this story of Israel. But Garen, you've been in ministry for decades. You've been in church work for a number of years now. Can you share like in your life ways that you've seen the enemy try this tactic mm. in the long, like in the long term, like zoom out of your whole ministry career and then maybe rec- like recently in your time at 12, like ways you see the enemy trying to get inside the walls here too? Yeah, I mean, the things you, you, we, you all hear stories of like a church is going to change their carpet and they divide over that kind of thing. So I, I think in our, we live in a very consumer culture. A lot of times personal preference gets in the way of following Jesus. And something's done a little bit different than I would do it. And people get a burr in their saddle because of that. Well, I would, do, I would have decided that differently. My mm-hmm. preference would have been this. And it's not even a major issue. And then it, the eye is off Jesus, which is what he wants. And then it becomes on what I'm upset. So I think a lot of personal preference things... Um, I think every, we're, I mean, we live in a church body where there's a mixture of people, some I love and some, I mean, we just know each other differently and we're different personalities. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be a little prickly to you, right? Personality wise. There's somebody will do something or just say- as far as like people that you connect with, but, and then others you don't as well. Yeah, others maybe not as well. Know. And yeah. and that's what's beautiful about the body is we're not just all people that we just exactly the same. We're different enough. Sure. So, or- little relational tiff will happen. Stuff happens. It's, we're broken people. Somebody will say something, do something that upsets somebody, but it doesn't, it just, it just devolves and becomes worse and worse and worse. And then eventually somebody's like, I'm out of here because I totally don't like that person. And this is, this conflict's gotten really bad or. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that a lot of that is born out of this kind of consumer mentality of like my way or the highway kind of thing. If this isn't pleasing to me, then I'm either going to leave or I'm going to raise a stink about it or I'm going to start a rumor about it. Yeah. But it's all about like what's pleasing yeah. to me. Yeah, and then me, I start right? talking to my friends sure. about that person. And it's all, again, chapter four, if you remember, if he can divert if he can divert my eyes from the mission and distract me from right. God. So my, my, my eyes are off of God, yes. off the mission, off of Jesus, and onto the thing I want or yeah. this way I'm hurt. And there's a legitimate hurts. I understand that. Yeah. Then he can start working. That's the wedge he needs is to get inside of a body. Sure. And then he starts to spread it. If yeah. People can start talking about it. Yeah. And- I know that you're not saying that we should never have any issues with anything or never have opinions on things. So when people do have an issue with the carpet color or the teaching style or X, Y, Z, what's a healthy way to like, address that without letting the enemy have a foothold. Yeah. I would say it all goes back to Nehemiah one, where we learned he called himself a servant eight times. I didn't even hit it that much in chapter four. I think we hit it briefly, but that he was a man under authority and not in authority. And mm-hmm. I think when you've heard, if, if everybody's a chief, nothing works. Right. And a lot of, there's people who just, I've got to be in leadership. I got to be making the decisions. I think it's that if I'm willing to submit to the place where I am in the body and there's, there's a hierarchy, there's people giving leadership to ministries, there's 
there's our deacons who are kind of our spiritual leaders. And that if people at higher up, you know, if you and your youth team is making a decision about youth and somebody doesn't like it, that, that we say, okay, you don't have to like it. You can disagree, but they're the ones that are God put in that authority place. And so you're like, but I'm still going to support them. And I'm, I'm still in with that ministry. Mm-hmm. So it's to me, it's that I'm positioning myself under the authority structure that God has put in my life. Okay. And that if, if leadership and their prayerfulness and wisdom and consulting decide something, yeah, that even if it isn't what I would do, that I'm like, okay, but I'm not going to make waves. Sure. And I'm still, I'm in this body and I'm still with it. Yeah. And what they're about is reaching youth for Jesus and helping people grow in Jesus. And that's what I'm about. And that's what matters. Right. Not this little thing that I didn't like that they decided. Yeah. So. so if there's an issue, take it to the correct leader, but with this, this understanding <laughs> that I am under authority, uh-huh. that um, it's really not about me, that eyes on Jesus is the most important thing. And uh, I think oftentimes when we run through those levels and, and, and let it kind of marinate with those ideas, like, okay, is this really something that is paramount to the gospel? A lot of times, a lot of those disagreements fall yep, away. A lot of them fall away. Most of them, I feel like. Yeah. Most of them aren't about the gospel. They're not about Jesus. They're not about reaching right. people. It's it's okay to have them, like you said. And I so if I'm under if I have a teen, I come to you in humility and I say, Hey, I have a question about this. And I listen to you and you say, In community, we've decided this and this is where we're going. And I'll even take your input. Thank you. That's helpful. Yeah. But if you don't decide, then I'm like, you know what? I'm 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 not gonna make an issue of it. I'm yeah. gonna because what I care about is the gospel and Jesus and yeah. And that advancing, and this won't help me making an issue of this. But the thing. carpet is a hill to die on, though. That one's pretty, yeah. Paint color, I think. Paint as well. Paint. Paint's in that conversation, too. Yeah, carpet, I'm not sure, but paint, yeah. definitely. And the pictures in the bathrooms, is it wheat or is it bison? <laughs> it, it needs to be one, not the other. Yeah. <laughs> or is, is it bison or is it like flowers? Okay, that's probably worth dying on. You're in like, the wrong bathroom yeah. if it's flower pictures. <laughs> okay, and then, so I, I sense that's what you were prescribing for like churches or 12th can be, can be ways that the enemy can warm his way in. What about looking back further? Cause you were working with internationals, um, for, for, you know, multiple decades before that kind of same strategy, the enemy would use or anything else that he would yeah, kind of break out. I pers- interpersonal conflict was so common. Um, yeah. Cause then when you get in that kind of ministry there, you're, when you're serving students, there wasn't a lot of like people not liking what you decided cause they're, the ministry is for them, but just interpersonal conflict. Or you would see people succumbing to sin and temptation, and then that would end up becoming an issue in the community. Mm-hmm. And that's another one I think is sometimes if I, and that's why being a healthy body is so important. Yeah. That if I'm doing some things on the side, some sinful things that are undermining my own walk with God, then I'm, and if I'm not walking with him, that, that bleeds back into the community. We may not necessarily yeah. know it at first, but it does affect Because healthy body. bodies are made up of healthy, healthy body cells. members. Yep. Right. Yes. So, okay. That's good. Yeah. Let's kind of talk, talk more about that. So you talked about the healthy body. You talked about to be a restorer. We need a healthy body. We need a healthy base camp. You kind of likened the church to a base camp, like at the foot of a mountain. You yeah, talk Mount about like Everest. Everest. You've uh-huh. got to have those base camps. Talk about how the church ideally is similar to a healthy base camp. Like the way that hikers would use that are ways that we should use the church. Is that yeah, what you're just saying? Yeah. Just that when, if you're going to conquer Everest, you just can't walk up that thing with your your Sherpa and a few people, that base camp is so important. That's where you refresh. That's where you get, there's more um, oxygen and there's food. You, you sleep for a few nights. You're looking at the weather. You're talking together. There's so much that happens there for that final assault. 
And having that base camp is really important. And I feel like that's part of what us as a gathered community is it helps give us every Sunday we get perspective. This is about Jesus. This is about God. This is about his mission. We're learning things. God's speaking to us. We're applying them. We're in loving community. And that's really important for me to be a restorer out there because it's sometimes it. I just talked to you again yesterday, somebody in very extreme brokenness where they're trying to bring restoration and they need a healthy body around them really mm-hmm. badly to, to help hold them up, to pray for them. Yeah. So if the base camp's not good, then the assault of the top of the mountain is, is a lot harder to do. So, And that's a healthy church model because, it, I mean, I, I, ideally, we are here at this place to be filled up, to be refreshed, and then we are sent out on mission to go, do the, to go climb Everest. Yeah. And then we come back here again for the same thing. And it's like, we're a, we're a living, breathing body that is moving out and then coming back in. And there's this rhythm to it. Yes. It's not just, let's just meet at 9.15 every Sunday here at Garnett's to say. Right. Because that's just, it's, that's just an organization. Yeah. Right. It's right. It's that I'm, I'm in, I'm with the body, I'm fellowshipping, I'm meeting in community large and small that this whole thing called the local church is that I'm, I'm invested in it yeah. deeply and deeply with people. And that's the base camp I need. Yeah. It's living be, and it's yeah. rhythmic. Let's talk a little bit about your tree uh, analogy here, your, your illustration, your picture. You've got this big tree and you talked about the, the church gathered and the church scattered and the trunk of this tree is the church gathered. And then the top, the foliage, the leaves is the church scattered. And so, you know, we say this thing every Sunday, we long to become a biblical community of kingdom people who are yep. joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And is this why we say it so often? Because you want us to be reminded yes, that that's what, this is what's underneath all of that, right? So it was a good chance for me to even clarify even more of what that's about, that we, we're, we need to create a healthy, unified trunk. If we're healthy in this part of our tree who we are gathered, then yeah. that empowers us to live scattered in a healthy way. Yes. And it's really important. And so the trunk part, the gathered part is that first part that we long to become a biblical community of kingdom people. Yeah. That's the gathered part. Yep. And then the talk part is the second part of that, who are joining God in the restoration of all things one personal place at a time. Yeah. And even in that image, the the rhythm of like going out and coming back is is obvious if if that's what we do it here at 12th, right? That yeah. We gather, we scatter, yes. we gather, we scatter for very different reasons. So that's exciting. Church is exciting when it's like this living, yeah, breathing it, thing. Yes. And when it's living for what it should be. Yeah. Which is a, we're, a, we're a people that are, fo- are fo- we're coming around God and the kingdom and the word of God is our standard. And something bigger than ourselves. And then we're living for Isn't God's it so mission. boring to just live for yourself? Yeah. And go to a place that just does everything exactly the way you want it because your comfort yes. is like paramount. Isn't that so boring? Yeah. I would hate to go to church if that's all my church experience yeah. was. It's like what's... But if we're a part of a body, a team that is vacillating between gathered and scattered and we have our mission out here, but we're building each other up in here yeah. and learning more about God's word, like that's yeah. exciting. I, I want to be in on that. That's like, yeah, I agree. Me too. So let's have a church why, like that. Yeah, let's work on it. Let's, how about we, yeah, <laughs> start talking about this stuff like publicly. Here's a, here's kind of a canon question. How much do you think 12th is in this place where we, we have this mentality of gathered and scattered? And it is rhythmic and it is an organism versus like we just come and gather here on at 915. Like to what maybe like the percentage, like where where are we on that? Are we doing a pretty good job? Are we still growing in that? Or yeah, well, wow. percentage, so I don't know. But I do I feel like we are um 
I think we are living a lot better at living scattered, at intentionally knowing our crowd cloud and seeing ourselves restored because I think this Nehemiah series has helped. I'm hearing a lot more stories. I think a lot more people are being intentional with that. And, you know, we do, I think people know we've, this church has had a history since I was here of being, striving to be a unified, healthy body. And I think we're, I think we're on the right track with both those things. We can always grow and get better at it. Yeah. But I really wanted to make it clear, like, these are the two rhythms of the church. Yeah. Yesterday. And if he can, if Satan can put rot in the trunk of the tree, then the foliage, there's no leaves, there's no foliage, there's no outside movement. And that's what he wants to do is he wants to bring rot into this body. We're kind of getting into the base of like what 12th is about here. So that's kind of cool. And then the the last thing that I want to say as we're, we're over time, I just want to say it quickly and get your quick reaction. We'll get out of here, Garen, but you mentioned how grace is so paramount to this whole thing that yes. a, a church like 12th can exist if we're not going to have grace for each other. And I don't know if you've talked about this with the body or not, but having this, this uh, not bounded set, but what is that? Yeah, not bounded set, but centered set. And the centered set, it's on King Jesus. Right, that basically our, our focus is on Jesus. We're a center set community. We're not a bounded set community that gets caught up in doing things our own way. Um, and that just, you got to have grace for that. You stuff. have to. So it's because, not going to work if we're not a yeah, grace-filled Because community. I'm going to say something goofy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do like a wrist slash or something in church. Yeah, that was That's going to offend people. It's very messed up, right? <laughs> and so grace is like, you know what? He really meant the prick in his thumb because I did that when I was right. a kid, but I wasn't willing to raise my hand in yeah, church right. or something. I mean, th- right. It's that grace that that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something goofy or um, that we're all going to fail. We're all going to... And that's okay but if we have grace, mm-hmm. the grace of the Lord Jesus, who is the king who we follow. But if we're going to like hold people to that and point fingers and say, look at you, and we're going to get mad and it's going to create division, yeah. that, that's, not, that's not a healthy body. I think the other side of that pendulum, grace is on one side. The other side is that our eyes are on Jesus and we do hold firm to his truth. Yes. And we're definitely, anyone who's come here knows this is not a place that we bend on God's word or what God has told us. We're very firm on that stuff, but it is through the lens of grace. And that's definitely a big value for us. Yeah. So, okay. Like when we talk about K-State too much and people have grace for us there, <laughs> you know? Especially Adam. I, I, I have a feeling Adam's grace cup is getting kind of... Especially when K-State continues to lose and KU continues to win. You know, it's, it's... How can we not talk about it? But you have grace for us, so it's good. Shall we continue to sin and talk about K-State so that grace can abound? No, <laughs> so that grace can abound. We should quit. We should quit it. We will quit it. Guys, hope this was useful to you. Next week, I wish you had more time to preview Nehemiah 6 because it does look so exciting. Um, but read ahead. Be ready to uh, to learn next Sunday. And uh, hopefully this has given you good stuff to talk about with your triads and your quads and your life groups. But um, we're enjoying Nehemiah. Hope you are too. We'll see you guys next week.